Amen. Well, if you have a copy of God's Word, I'd invite you to open it with me to Luke's Gospel. We'll be in chapter 12. Luke 12 is where we're headed. Uh, Good to see you this morning. It uh, it feels like afternoon. It's been a long day already, but I mean that in a good way. We had a really good... Yeah, that could go either way, right? Like, man, been here forever. Sheesh. No, it's just been a good day. It's good to be with uh, the church family. I missed you guys last week. I appreciate Pastor Bob, our Connections pastor, preaching the word last week, and I'm glad to be back with you today. Uh, y'all had a good week last week, from what I can gather. Uh, any exciting things happened last Sunday evening that I'm unaware of? Oh, okay. Let me Jesus juke y'all real quick. When was the last time you were that excited about the Lord? All right? Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> Uh, There you go. There you go. Well, we're starting a new series today, and I am very excited about this new series. Uh, Probably not as excited as you were last Sunday night, but that's all right, okay? Uh, It's a series that we're calling The Struggle is Real, and I'm really excited about this because I think Jesus is going to use this series to bring some freedom to people who desperately need it. God's already been doing some work in me just in the preparation of this first message. I'm convinced that God is going to do some really awesome things as we work through this passage together. And what we're going to do is see Jesus addressing some critical issues that affect every single one of us in this life. Uh, There's no doubt about it. You are likely aware, and if you're not, I'm going to make you aware today that we certainly live in anxious times. Uh, Anxiety, worry, uh, confusion, uh, all of these things seem to be as uh, an epidemic in our culture today. In fact, people professionally and even privately deal with anxiety and stress and depression at at levels that are really unprecedented in our world. Uh, I've joked with you before that I am certainly a worrier. In fact, if I'm not worried about something, I'm the guy who starts worrying about not worrying about anything, right? Like I'm sure there's... I'm worried because there's something I should be worried about and I can't remember what that thing is. And like, I am that person. And some of you are probably like that a little bit yourself. And in a world where technology keeps us constantly connected, right? Uh, we've got these, uh, I've started to call this a bad news machine. Anybody else? Like, it's like, hey, someone else died. Hey, there's a new virus out there. It's like every time I look at it, something else crazy is going on. And then beyond that, I think part of our society issues is that we're connected to work all the time. Like, uh, like there's, there is no, like, if you send me a text, I'm going to get it, right? Like, there is no, I'm sorry, I d- couldn't answer the phone. It's like, no, our phones are with us all the time now. We're as connected as we've ever been. And all of these things have produced a society in which we find ourselves anxious and troubled much of the time. This isn't a lie. Actually, when I was putting together the introduction to this message, I'd waken up at like three o'clock in the morning, uh, early one morning last week, anxious about the series that I was going to preach on anxiety. Like, I'm not even kidding. You cannot make this stuff up. And some of you are like me, and this is a struggle that is not foreign to you. And let, let me just tell you, if you are that type, it's not a great time to be alive, Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, you know, it's an election year and I'm already over it and it's not even March yet. Anybody else? Like, I'm just like, hey, Jesus 2020, come back. Let's just start this whole thing over. Like, I'm done. I'm done. And not only that, there's all kinds of things going on. Like, I think about in our community right now, there are thousands of people who are losing their jobs. Probably almost every single one of us knows somebody who is walking through that right now. And then we, we have things like the uh, coronavirus, which I've been under the weather this week. I was convinced I had it because I'm also that type of personality, right? 
but, but where we see people dealing with sickness. In fact, we had a, a family in our church that had a kiddo in the hospital with flu. I mean, sickness is going around and it's, it's a thing that just causes all these anxieties to come up within us. And all of these things are very, very real. Now, I'm not trying to say that these are the most perilous times we've ever had in human history. I'm aware that a lot of the issues we're dealing with today would fall under the category of first world problems, okay? But the truth is, I think it's important for us to recognize that Jesus addresses these struggles. And it's so cool to see how God in the midst of this season and this day, while all these things are going on in our lives and in our community, that in God's providence, he has brought us to Luke chapter 12, where Jesus is addressing these very issues that we're walking through in this season. And here's what I love about it. Jesus doesn't say, hey, you bunch of sissies, get over it. I'm thankful for that. In fact, the, the fact that Jesus is addressing these issues does indicate that the struggle is indeed very real. So what I'm praying for you and for me is that we would have ears to hear what Jesus has to say to us. That way we can really think about these issues. And what Jesus is going to do is actually show us the deeper issues behind our issues. That's what we need, isn't it? We need to really get to the source of what's causing all of these things within us. And we need that because the truth is, in the world we live in, we're always going to be experiencing ups and downs. Jobs are going to be gained. Jobs are going to be lost. We're going to be financially doing well, financially not doing well. We're going to be sick, and then sometimes we're going to be healthy. All these ups and downs will continue throughout this side of eternity. But the good news I bring to you today is that our Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he calls us to rely on him and call out to him. So let's listen to what he has to say to us today, and then we'll pray together and ask for his help as we go through this passage. Luke 12. I did say earlier, I'm a little bit under the weather, so you'll have to forgive my voice. And if it uh, dies out, I'm just going to have to get Pastor Bob to come up here and read the rest of this message. So it's typed, so you got this, Bob. If I'd written it down, y'all would be in trouble. Let's get to the word, Luke 12, verse 1. In the meantime, when so many thousands of people had gathered together that they were trampling one another. By the way, that's what the 9 a.m. service looked like this morning. Just, you weren't here, you don't know. Um, let's continue. The sermon's not about lying today, okay? <laughs> so when the crowd is so big they're trampling one another, Jesus began to say to his disciples first, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he is killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies and not one of them is forgotten by God? Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Let's pray together. Uh, Lord, we do just ask for your help today. 
God, we don't need uh, to walk out of here feeling smarter, Lord. We don't need to walk out of here thinking that we know more. But Lord, I pray that we would leave here knowing that we have heard from you. God, speak through your word. Give us wisdom and discernment to see your truth today as we preach and listen to the word of God. Thank you for what you're gonna do. It's in your name we pray, amen. So a couple weeks ago, we saw Jesus going to a Pharisee's house to eat some lunch. And while he's there, he just sat down and started eating. And one of the Pharisees said, or didn't even say it, but was just shocked and appalled that Jesus had not first washed his hands. And we, you know, some of you are germaphobes and you're like, yeah, come on, Jesus, get some germex or something. But it wasn't like that. It was a purification ritual. They were shocked that he had not gone through the religious ritual before he sat down to eat. Jesus uses this as an opportunity to address and talk about their hypocrisy. And he says that this hypocrisy is, uh, we, we talked about how that came from the word hypocrite, comes from the word actor, and it was an actor who wore a mask to play a part. So in Jesus confronting the Pharisees, we were confronted in that message to say, stop pretending, stop wearing a mask, stop just playing the part and being who you think everybody else wants you to be, but instead take off the mask, get real with each other and get real with the Lord. And only when we get real with God, can he begin to do a work in and through us. So that was the call of that message. So after Jesus has addressed this with the Pharisees and the lawyers, he leaves there. And when he walks out of the home, there are thousands of people pressed up against that house. It's almost as if while Jesus was inside and they couldn't get there, they all went and grabbed some friends and came back and they are ready to hear. So when he comes out, it says there were so many people that they're being trampled. So Jesus says the right first thing out of his mouth, which is really kind of odd to me. Like if I show up and there's a huge crowd, uh, if I were to have come out your first service, I was back there because I was trying not to sing because of my voice. If I would have walked out from backstage to start preaching and there would have been max capacity in here, plus people standing in the aisles. The first thing I probably would say would not be like, hey, what's up, you bunch of hypocrites? <laughs> but that's basically what Jesus does here, right? So many thousands of people had gathered. And he says, hey, y'all beware, beware of hypocrisy. So it's interesting to note here that Jesus addresses the Pharisees and the religious leaders about their hypocrisy. But now he's addressing everyone, starting with the disciples, but even that crowd gathered there. This is important to say because there's, uh, we, we talked earlier where, you know, two weeks ago uh, that it's easy for us as people who might consider ourselves religious to judge other people. But Jesus says, hang on, you hypocrites. And some of you who maybe were here two weeks ago would consider yourself not a religious person. And you're like, yeah, Rusty, get those religious hypocrites. Can I just tell you, Jesus is an equal opportunity offender because now he's coming for you today. And he says it this way. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Now, leaven is yeast. And I've been trying to cut back on carbs lately, so just talking about bread is going to make me really hungry, so y'all bear with me, okay? But it only takes a little bit, if you've ever done some baking and that kind of stuff, it only takes a little bit of yeast, right, to make the whole uh, batch of dough rise, Jesus actually says in another passage, a little leaven leavens the whole loaf. So I think this is really important that he refers to hypocrisy as leaven. And here's why I say that. Before we even really get into where we're headed today, I want to just ask you this question. 
So many of us, I think, are looking for the big sins in our lives, right? We're watching out. We uh, don't want to end up committing adultery. We don't want to end up doing anything real terrible, murdering anybody or something like that. But Jesus is saying, hey, watch out for that little thing that you might not think is a big deal, but a little leaven leavens the whole loaf. A little hypocrisy, friends. Start small, but it gets in every part of our lives. So it doesn't matter who you are. You may be religious, you may be irreligious today, but the reality is we need to be on guard for this hypocrisy because hypocrisy literally can spread to every single part of our life and literally stop us from being who it is that God wants us to be. But I want us to dig a little bit deeper into this text today because what Jesus is going to do in Luke 12 is actually expose the deeper struggle that brings out our hypocrisy. So why is it that we are compelled to put on a mask and play the part? Why is it that it's so difficult for us to get real with each other and get real with the Lord? Why is this so hard for us? What Jesus is going to point to is this issue of fearing people. It's the fear of people. If you have a church background, you maybe have heard it said this way, the fear of man. This is what we're talking about. The first struggle that Jesus addresses here in Luke 12 is what we would call being a people pleaser. Being a people pleaser. Where we get so concerned with what others think about us, the way other people perceive us or feel about us, that we end up living our entire lives for other people. Again, let me just be honest with you. This is a struggle for me. I come from a good home. I got plenty of attention growing up. Uh, and I don't know why it is, but my flesh desires to have the approval of other people around me. So I work extra hard to show myself approved. If I think someone is upset at me, I'm the guy who stays up at night thinking about how I can remedy that situation, which works out really good when you're a pastor. Just kidding. Do you hear the pastors up here laughing? Uh, if there's something that I'm associated with that is struggling, I kind of own that personally, and I feel like a personal failure. So some of you know and can identify with the struggle that I'm talking about right now, and you may not struggle with it at the same level I do, but here's what I do know. Every single person struggles with, from time to time, putting on a mask to play the part so that we can please the people around us. But today, Jesus is going to invite us to get real, to take off our masks. And Jesus is going to give us some really practical help towards working toward this point together. So how do we stop being people pleasers? Well, first, Jesus says, don't fear people. <laughs> How's that for, I'm telling y'all, this is super practical today. How do we avoid being people pleasers? Don't fear people. There's a wonderful book that I would highly recommend. If this is a struggle in your life, uh, I would recommend buying this book and reading it. It's by a guy named Ed Welch, and the book is called When People Are Big and God is Small. When People Are Big and God is Small. And, and just to be honest, that title of that book basically tells the story right there. Here's what Welch says about fear. I, I have these up here on slides for you, and they're also on the study guide, so you don't have to try to desperately write them down. Welch describes fear by saying, fear in the biblical sense includes being afraid of someone, but it extends to holding someone in awe, being controlled or mastered by people, worshiping other people, putting your trust in people, or needing people. 
He goes on to talk about why it is that we fear people, and he offers these three reasons. First, we fear people because they can expose us and humiliate us. We fear people because they can reject, ridicule, or despise us. Or thirdly, we fear people because they can attack, oppress, or threaten us. And then he applies it this way. These three reasons have one thing in common, and this is really the crux of the matter. They see people as bigger, that is more powerful and significant than God. And out of the fear that that creates in us, we give other people the power and the right to tell us what to feel, think, and do. So you see, when we're talking about fearing people, we're talking about elevating people to a place they were never meant to be, even above God himself. So rather than thinking about God and what he thinks about us, we are so consumed with thinking about what the people around us think. So we don't work on the issues in our lives. Instead, we fake it till we make it. We want to make sure that everyone around us sees us as good to go. Welch puts it this way, that we're more afraid of looking stupid than we are being sinful. See that? We're more worried about looking stupid, that's the fear of man, than we are being sinful, the fear of God. Do you see how this happens in our lives? Jesus wants to call that out of us here in this text. In verse 4, he says this, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body, and after that have nothing more they can do. So here's what Jesus says. I don't worry about people. What's the worst they can do? Kill you? I mean, that sounds pretty bad, doesn't it? (laughs) But what Jesus is doing here is reminding us that all of this is just temporary. All of this is simply temporary. Friends, did you know that life is just a blip on the radar screen of eternity? Yet we are so consumed with the things of this world. The things that keep you up at night, the things that worry you, where you invest most of your time, energy, thinking, and effort are things that will not matter in 200 years. But it's so easy for us to be consumed with the here and the now. And Jesus is inviting us to look beyond this temporary world. Everything that you experience on earth is simply preparation for eternity. Everything you experience on this side of heaven is preparing you for eternity. So in a very real sense, if you're a Christ follower today, the best thing that could ever happen to you is to die. I mean, really. Now, don't worry if you're visiting today, we're not about to pass out (laughs) Kool-Aid. Glad we're not doing communion today. (laughs) People be like, no, I'll pass. I'm good. Because listen, as long as God leaves you here, he's leaving you here for a reason, to be about this mission he's called you to. But if we really believe what we say we believe, what happens when we die? We're with the Lord. Like that is like best case scenario. So Jesus says, why are you worried about people that all they can do is send you to be with the God who created you and loves you? And you'll worship him and enjoy him forever. But then he says, I'll tell you who to fear in verse 5 but I'll warn you whom to fear fear him whom after he is killed has authority to cast into hell yes I tell you fear him so Jesus says don't be so consumed with this temporary world but instead you need to fear the Lord so don't fear people 
but instead we fear God. Now listen to me. This is really, really important, and I want you to understand this today. This issue of people-pleasing is very, very common to man. This is a struggle that all of us have on one level or another. And the reason we know that is because if you look at popular culture and pop psychology, everybody is addressing this issue. Like right now, there are tons of memes going around on your Instagram and Facebook that will tell you how it is that we avoid this issue of people pleasing. And almost all of those methods and all of the popular methods used today for us to avoid being people pleasers sound something like this. Get rid of the toxic people in your life. You know what? Just, you need to just handle it. Just don't worry about those people. Don't listen to what people say. Forget about the haters. It's all about you. You go out there and you do you. In fact, one popular book today with a very explicit word right in the title says, The Art of Not Giving a Bleep. And the idea is like, you don't worry about others, forget the haters, forget what, that is super popular and we love that. In fact, I just want to warn you, you can even go to the Christian bookstore and you're not going to find that one with a cuss word in the title, but a lot of Christian books are saying the same exact kind of garbage. Oh, you don't worry about them, you just do what you're supposed, you just go out there and be your greatest you and all this. The problem with that is the Bible, like, where does Jesus say, you know what, forget everybody else, you got this, Jesus? Nowhere. <laughs> Nowhere. What does Jesus say? Forget about yourself and live for others. I'm about to break this pulpit up here. <laughs> got serious. Some of you are like, he's that kind of preacher. That would have been bad if the whole thing would have just collapsed right there. But it's so opposite, the way we think and the way the world is teaching us. And I'm telling you, that's creeping into the Christian world today. I call it you go girl theology, except those are written for men too, except it doesn't say you go girl, right? It's like you got this and you can make it. You're going to do it. Forget everyone else. Don't worry about the haters. You just go out there and do it. And Jesus has got your back. And I'm like, I don't see that in scripture. You know why we love that? Because that kind of teaching tells us that the problem is them. And let me tell you something. Them are terrible people. Not me, but them. If I did a sermon series called Them, it'd probably be the most popular series ever, right? But I'm just going to write a book called Them. Every chapter is going to be going after somebody else. But you know what Jesus would say? You are the problem. You are the toxic person. If you get rid of the toxic people in your life, you ain't going to have anybody. Because all of us, all of us are the problem. And the only one that can help you with you is Jesus. So what Jesus is going to do here in this text, don't, so, so some of you are just going to be upset about what I've just said the last two minutes. But you need to understand Jesus offers a real help because here's what's, what happens. Some of you say, yeah, the art of not giving a bleep and I don't care anymore what people think. I'm going to do my own way. But then when you put your head on the pillow at night, it doesn't matter what your social media said. You know in your heart that you're not satisfied and that you still long for approval that you're not getting. Can I offer you some good news? Jesus in this text gives us the true antidote to people pleasing. And the only real solution, biblically speaking, is having the right view of God. 
That's fearing the Lord. When Jesus calls us to fear God, he's not talking about being literally frightened, but rather he's talking about having a reverence and honor for who God is. This is an invitation for you and me to know a holy God. But when we're faced with a God who is holy and righteous, and when we see him for who he is, it has a way of revealing who we are not. When we see his holiness, we realize we are not holy. When we see his righteousness, we realize we are not righteous. And when we find ourselves in those moments, it should cause some fear to rise up in our hearts. I'm afraid that many of us are far more concerned with what people think than we are what God thinks. And it shows in our lifestyles. I was reading Galatians 5 this week in my Bible reading, and it has that verse that says, keep in step with the Spirit. And I was thinking to myself that I think more often than not, I'm watching the way I'm walking compared to the rest of the world instead of looking to see if I'm walking with God. And that happens so quick in our lives trying to keep in step with the culture instead of keeping in step with God. What this shows is that so many of us are too busy looking around instead of looking up to God. I think a dose of the fear of God would be good for us today. We ought to take these warnings seriously. Let me read verse two and three again. It says, nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on housetops. Church, listen. One day our masks are gonna be gone, and we won't be able to pretend anymore. And we won't care what people think about us on that day, because we'll be standing before a holy God, and all of our deeds, all of our works, Our sin will be laid bare before the holy and righteous God. Church, this ought to concern us today. This ought to cause the fear of God. But this is where the good news of the gospel comes in. Some of you have been thinking, oh, this this guy, he's talking about all this fear. I thought God is a God of love. He is a God of love. Because he's a God of love, Even though we were sinners who didn't fear God, he sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins so that we could have life. He loved us enough to make a way for us to be made righteous, to be made holy. Here's what 1 John 4.18 says. There is no fear in love, for perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. How do we stop fearing man? By fearing God. And when we fear God, when we see him in his holiness and his righteousness, and we know that we are not holy and not righteous, the fear of God should lead us to the cross of Christ where we experience a perfect love that casts out fear. It's the love that allows us to be fully known and fully loved. Some of you need to hear that today. You know that God knows you completely? There's no one on earth that knows you completely. It's just the reality. Like maybe your family connections are the closest it gets to that. But did you know that God knows the very worst of who you are? 
You know those parts of your life deep down in your heart, the very worst thoughts you've ever had, the very worst intentions you've ever had? God knows those. And yet, he still loves you. Isn't that incredible? That in Christ, because of the gospel, we are fully known and fully accepted and loved because of what Jesus has done for us. This is the gospel. This is how transformation actually happens in our lives. When we're known by Jesus, sin and all, and perfectly loved by our Savior, then we're free to actually begin to love other people with a perfect love. This is huge today. Because instead of using people, I'm free to actually love people. See, this is kind of the sick reality about being a people pleaser. It almost seems like it's out of love and concern for the other people, right? Like, I just want to make sure that everyone else likes me. I want to make sure everyone else is okay. But it's not actually a loving thing at all. It's very selfish. Because you're using people to try to get affirmation, self-worth, validation. And here's the cruddy part about it. They're not going to be able to give it to you. No matter what. No matter how hard you try. And even no matter how hard they try. They are not going to be able to give you the affirmation and the love and the right view of yourself that you need. But Jesus knows you completely and loves you completely right now. And when we know that, we're free to love people because we don't need them anymore in that unhealthy way. We're free to love people unconditionally, even the toxic people like us. I can love you even when you're a jerk to me. You know why? Because your view of me and I'm not dependent on that from you because Jesus has already given me everything I need. So I can minister to you from the purest place possible. Do you see how this would transform our church? Instead of being a bunch of people who just come in here, uh, I said in the first service, like leeches who just need a bunch of things in unhealthy ways from each other. Instead, we can come in here and say, you know what? I'm perfectly known and perfectly loved by God. And because of that, I'm taking off the mask. I'm coming in. And you know what? We're all a bunch of people. We can bring our wounds in here together. And because of God's grace, we can be loved and we can love each other like we've never been able to do it before. The way that Pastor Charles Spurgeon put it a few centuries ago is this, if any man thinks ill of you, do not be angry with him, for you are far worse than he thinks you to be. Isn't that good? The worst thing you can say about me doesn't even scratch the surface of the real deal. But God loves me, so I don't have to pretend and I don't need from you what you could never give me. But my value is found in Christ and his love for me. And, and did you know that he has that same love for you and values you in that same way? So I'm going to show you ridiculous, grace-filled love, whether you deserve it or not, because that's the way that Jesus has loved me. That's the kind of love that transforms the world. Verses 8 through 12, we don't have time to unpack all of this. 
but this paints a picture of radical believers who are living for Jesus in the midst of a culture that really is rejecting him. And he knows that in the next few decades, they were going to go through some serious hardship. And he tells them, just keep loving people. Just keep loving people. Just rely on me. I'll give you the words to speak. Our culture may not be where they were yet, but I can tell you that our world certainly doesn't seem to welcome Christ and his ways like it once did. The call is to stop living for people and instead live for the one who has perfectly loved you. And when we do that, we can go out there and show the world that same perfect love. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Lord, we are grateful for your word today. God, we know that it's so easy for us to find ourselves living our lives thinking about everything and everyone else except for you. God, I pray that today you would help us to live lives that are shaped by your presence. Lord, that we would be more concerned with you than we are people so that we could actually be freed to love people instead of use people. Help us, Lord, to put you in your rightful place. God, I pray for those who are in here who may not know you. The reality is we know that if they don't know you, they have a reason to be fearful today. But I pray that that fear would lead them to the cross where your perfect love casts out fear. They could begin a real relationship with you. Or for those who are here today who would say, I already know Jesus. He's my savior. He's my Lord. God, I pray you would help us to live with this radical love that is possible because of the way you've loved us. Help us to stop looking around, but instead to start looking up so we can love you and love people from the purest of places. Thank you for your gospel. Thank you for saving us. May we walk in the love that's changed us.